Alright, hi. Uh, this is the Lunar Poetry Podcast and today we're in Stockholm in Sweden. Uh, my name is David Turner and today I'm joined by Olivia Bertal, Sui Klokota and Niklas Masros. And all of those names will be written properly in English on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't trust my Swedish uh, or well, any kind of pronunciation. Uh, we're going to start just with a short intro from each of the poets. Um, just a quick thing, not, none, not all of the poets here today are from Stockholm, well, only one is in fact, but they're all involved in the Stockholm scene, so that's predominantly what we're going to talk about today, but I'll let them introduce themselves now. So first, Olivia. Yes, and I'm the one not in Stockholm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I work as a performance poet, uh, or a spoken word artist, and uh, I'm from Gothenburg in Sweden. Uh, now I live in Malmö, but I know mostly about the Gothenburg scene. And I won the Nationals in Sweden in 2007. And so the, the Nationals, is the, that's the slam competition? Yeah, exactly, yes, right. the Poetry Slam. Mm. Uh, and then the year after that, I was in the World Cup of Poetry Slam, and then I got the fourth place. Okay. I think that's my most... Uh, my, my my best <laughs> titles. Yeah. <laughs> and I also do a lot of writing things and uh, workshops and I have written one and a half book because the the second one is almost finished okay. but the first one is. Mm-hmm. So that's my Yeah. So and sweet. I am uh, uh, my real name actually is Mutsuita. Okay. And it's it's a very difficult name. So hence Tsui which uh, my mother gave me. It's basically the middle part of my name. And she would always use it when I was when she was happy. And when I was in trouble, she used the whole thing. And I would know that, okay, serious <laughs> approach of caution. But uh, yeah, I, I live in Stockholm. I've been in Stockholm since February. I come from uh, Durban, South Africa. I was born in a place called Matatiel in the Eastern Cape. And I lived in a place called Kwapa in the Free State. Yeah, that's me. Uh, and you won also. You're the yeah. ruling. Uh, currently, yes, yes, yes. I won the. the Don't s- be humble, so Come on, get it okay. out. <laughs> um, I, 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 I feel a little bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> I won the national, um, the national slam poetry competition this year in uh, Umeå, and um, I won the Stockholm slam competition also a few months earlier. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been a ride. Great. And Niklas? Um, I actually started slamming in Gothenburg. I lived outside Gothenburg, went to a journalist's edu- um, education. And uh, I found this slam in Gothenburg and just accidentally stumbled upon it and uh, started slamming. And I did pretty well. And I won the Swedish Nationals 2010. And then I entered the competition again in 2010. 12 and I won again so I'm two time Swedish national slam champion if titles are of any importance you, you told just, us that they are yeah, so. yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not of importance it's of interest it's of interest <laughs> yes of public interest yeah, yeah. and um, yeah I've been I've been, of disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been performing ever since 2009 I, w- I will make a quick note just to save your embarrassment I'd I did tell all the poets to mention any competition, so they didn't offer that information up. Right. Oh, I did demand 
<laughs> they embarrass themselves. <laughs> yes. Okay, but I think maybe that's enough of an introduction. What we'll do is um, there will be uh, more information about my guests today on the blog and the website, uh, links to their work, um, anything that's published or anything that's on YouTube. So as many links as possible. So that's why we're not really going to go too much into individual uh, life stories here. And we might just crack on with the discussion now. So I think I'd like you guys to really begin telling us a bit about the spoken word scene in Stockholm. Um, and I think really what, what I'd like to find out is is it predominantly sort of classical poetry based or more experimental spoken word or is there a, a leaning towards slam competitions and yeah so that's what start what style of uh, spoken word do you find in Stockholm I would say uh, I would say mostly I mean they are they're divided into slam when they're slam seasons and the you know uh, qualifications are there's there's a lot of there's mostly two scenes that are in work and then the all year round when it's not slam seasons uh it's uh mainly open mic things mm. and then there's dominated by spoken word poets but that's not to say that spoken word poets doesn't pick up a guitar or do the singing yeah. or like but Mostly, it's the open mic nights uh, are by, dominated by spoken word poets. And, yeah. and when you say spoken word poets, is it like poetry slam poets? Or? Yeah, mostly. I mean, the the scene in Stockholm is pretty incestuous, you know, because you, yeah. you know all the people who are involved, who are uh, making the arrangements, and usually it's like the ones who are making the arrangements for open mic night, they perform as well on the other uh, when there's when they're switching, <laughs> so it's it's mostly um, slam poets doing their thing. Yeah, and Sweden, because you're sort of the most recent into Sweden, yeah, never mind Stockholm. Um, when you first started performing, did you feel like you had to um, perform in a particular style, or did you feel like you were <clears throat> being pushed more towards doing slam in order to get to know people, or was uh-huh. it? You know? um, I think for me, it was it was easy. Because yeah. I just I figured first impressions are very important. So first impressions of me has to be me, you know. And I think my whole life I have always gravitated towards slam. Yeah. Even though at one point I didn't know what slam was, but that's what I was sure. doing. So when I came here, I just did what I did, and and then started you know sort of defining it a little bit more and getting in contact with people that are. Slam poetry conscious, yeah. You know, but but yeah, I just I just did me. I just rocked up and I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. I, I, yeah, it wasn't so much. I wasn't really asking whether you felt like you needed to change your style uh-huh. as such. It's just more, um, yeah, just how you found the scene represented itself to you uh-huh. in terms of what what you felt. I might be. Um, leading the question a bit with uh-huh. pre- some preconceptions I think because um, what my my view is if you're doing slam you're doing you know you're doing it to win and there are certain ways to win a slam uh-huh. really or whether um, my idea more of open mic spoken word is more 
can be more experimental and you're freer to try perhaps but but I would also say that like because I've been to and met some British poets and and it feels like the British scene is more it's like the Swedish scene in a lot of ways are the opposite of it because it's so much about the poetry slams in Sweden even though you're not really into the competition but Mm. the scene is the poetry slams yeah and then in Britain, it's more like the poetry slam is just something that happens after. Yeah, I think but I'd agree with you there. Yeah, yeah it's. Um, I think that's maybe why I'm asking the question because in London, it's this feels like a, a divide. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't cross that divide, but you definitely have slam poets, and uh, that's why I keep sort of differentiating really between slam poets and spoken word artists. And I might be re- using those terms wrong, right. and there will be a lot of people that disagree with me. But that's. The, the difference that I mean yeah. it's you I sort of get the impression from talking to a lot of people over here that yeah there isn't you're not a slam poet or a spoken word artist you can just do any of them yeah I mean I think what's happening now is I mean the scene in itself has been pretty marginalised in, in you know, as a cultural uh, phenomenon in Sweden a lot of people don't know what poetry slam or spoken word is so uh, but now what's happening as I can see it, is that a lot of uh, people who are doing slams are also becoming more interested in doing other things on stage and using what they are doing in their, you know, as a slam poet and <coughs> driving from that, yeah. um, drawing from that is uh, doing other things on stage that are similar to a slam poem or but has other poetic qualities to it. Would you, would any of you guys have a, a view on where you'd like the scene to go in the future? Would, do you think it's, uh, and this, I have no judgment, I don't know enough about it, but um, do you think it's tra- travelling in a healthy direction? Do you think it's growing? Or do you think it's, things can be done differently to encourage new performers to come along? It can always be yeah. done differently. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's always a problem and it's also natural that you are grouping yourself into, and mm. it's like, for the the poetry slam poets and the and the spoken word artists, which are the same mostly in, in Sweden, yeah. they are in like one one group, and then you have the intellectual and paper yeah. writing poets yeah. in another group, and it's uh-huh. like, and I think uh, I think it's natural in some way, and then also it would be fun to connect them sure. more, of course. Yeah, I mean. Then, as, you know, I've had always pro- a problem disconnecting myself from what's happening with the scene and myself because I see myself as a huge part of the scene, <laughs> which is a really narcissistic way of viewing oneself. But um, I don't know if it's m- me growing or if the scene is changing, but, but I do feel like the, it's growing. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to see it, you know, being... Uh, TV aired like yeah. national yeah. slam competitions yeah. and I would love to see spoken word poetry having a bigger place in okay. uh, you know in in media or whatever you know, yeah. right so my next question is uh, why do you guys perform and why do you choose spoken word okay I perform um, because it's uh, it just it, it feels like it's it's the next step you know um, like A, getting a poem, B, writing it down, and C, you know, 
sharing it you know for me it's it's more sharing than anything and i like spoken word because there's a lot of things i can do with spoken word mm. and for example there's things that i can do with spoken word that i can't do with music i can i can i can and and, and i mean vice versa also but I, for me i feel like spoken word is, is is really a strong way of of communicating my ideas because reading reading a book is is one thing but then having the author read you the book you sort of get a different picture yeah so for me i suppose yeah it's just it comes natural just mm. next step yeah um, if do you have anything if, if you don't have yeah, anything, yeah I, I, i can just yeah. agree on that it's yeah well i have a follow-up question yeah. to that as well so when performing how do you view your relationship as a performer with the audience and by that i mean um The, the way I often frame the question with, with people, do you just see the audience as a pure necessity? If, the, For instance, if they weren't there buying tickets and drinks, there would be no venue available for you to read in, so the scene wouldn't exist. Or do they actually, are they, are you trying to connect with them? You know, are they important for your performance? Mm. I mean, yes, yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, really. And in, in what way? And I think it's, uh, like, uh, I have I have this uh, thinking about performers that you can see the audience as a friend or as a, an enemy. Sure. And you can impress on the audience or you can, like, trying to get them into, into your performance in some way. Mm. And I'm mm. really on the part, like, like I really like the audience and I love when they are a part of the performance and sure. yeah. it's also like performing is a little bit to to just just this thing with communication and to reach out for people and then you get something back and I really like that yeah. uh, communication between the audience and the performer yeah, uh, so. yeah I, t- I totally agree on that as well I mean I love the 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 response thing you know it's yeah. and uh, I love the performing bit of it like I really love the acting out of you know embodying your words and find the physicality in your poems and just have that connection when you find the response you want and people are laughing and crying at the same time and it's like I love that interaction so the audience is a pure necessity for yeah and so that leads me on to another smaller question do you find yourself um, improvising or changing your performance style based on the reaction of a particular audience because um, it's just from my experience that different size audiences different venues uh, you get a different rea- I've found uh-huh. different reactions yeah, sometimes yeah. sometimes but it's also I, I never change the the text no not, the, uh, not, not but, suggesting the text so much but but Sometimes when when I feel that they are not really with me, I try to reach out and, yeah. and maybe maybe say something in the middle of the poem mm-hmm. or yeah. Uh, yeah. You can definitely alternate. I mean, pauses and stuff like that. Yeah. If you feel like you need to hook them in yeah. in a way that you know you feel like they're not really there. Sure. But yeah, I'm horribly I'm terrible at improvisation, so I usually you know always come back to to mm. my idea of what I'm doing but sometimes you really have to 
work a crowd because they yeah. are hard stone faces you know <laughs> giving away anything is like are they enjoying it or they're hating it especially especially Swedish people like you guys like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, this is true Swedish grown-ups just sit there and they look at you and like I remember the one time I went to I went to a wedding in um, in the south somewhere and these girls came on and they started singing and I'm at the back thank thank goodness I was at the back Because I'm at the back thinking, yeah, this is brilliant. I'm like, I want to jump and shout something, you know. And then I look around and these people are very serious. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so this is how we, we are in Rome now. Yeah. So we must do as the Romans do. Yeah. <laughs> and then when the when the girls were finished, yeah. like the applause was so loud, yeah. you yeah. know. And I realized that, okay, it's, it's, it's different crowds and... It has always been very important for me to be able to 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 understand a crowd. Very recently, I did. I think I had one of the worst um, gigs of my life. <laughs> like, like I had the toughest crowd I have ever had in my whole life. And I, mean, I have I have had some pretty hectic crowds, <laughs> but this particular crowd was on another level. I walk into this place and. There's like tables and chairs and people sipping on coffee and whatnot. And in the back of the room... Hmm, this was in Sweden. This is in Sweden. <laughs> There's this little section with pillows on the floor and a mat. Like it's a, it's a chill spot. Hmm. And there's about 25 to 30 kids in a room almost as big as this. And they are as loud as kids can get. It's a Friday night. They just got back from school. The parents are tired. And they are not about to sit down for a good 15 minutes and listen to somebody talk. Even when when the MC was introducing the evening and what it was. It was so rowdy. And I thought to myself, my goodness, this is... This is this is bad. <laughs> Got up and thank goodness I had I had two sets that day. We decided on the way there that I would do two instead of one. During the first set, it was a disaster. Imagine trying to be serious and talk about very difficult issues. <laughs> the parents, their faces are just distant because they are concerned about their kids being noisy, and the kids don't really care. And here you are trying to shout louder than the kids and it's just yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. the kids that's all it's great. it was madness and afterwards I thought to myself you know what it's either I'm gonna die here tonight or I'm gonna get them to join me because <laughs> I can't kill them <laughs> no so what I did was I decided to invite all the kids to stage I'm like okay come and I mean my Swedish is very broken so it was that was quite funny I called them all up on stage and we decided to make a beat And while they made a beat, I did something with the beat. Hmm. So I learned a lot that day because I realized that, you know, some venues, especially with the performance part, the most important thing is being able to understand the demands of a particular venue and a particular crowd of people. A lot of people get it wrong where they are overpowered by nerves hmm. and don't really allow themselves to sort of break out of the norm and really experiment sure. and i feel like um as a, as a as an artist for you to grow you need these different scenarios to sort of prepare you for the future because that's that's what soldiers do soldiers go through different protocols to condition them and to make them ready for particular 
situations that might come up. Mm. It's I funny to think about poetry reading as military military training. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after that, <laughs> I, I had to. After Every gig is an exercise. Yeah. Like, and then, well, I suppose you know some audiences might feel that poetry has invaded their space and would rather have. It <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who <laughs> Fuck are you? Yeah. 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 Yes. So it might, it might. Oh, oh, funny thing. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Funny thing. Like, imagine I'm talking about like one of the pieces that I did was talking about you know you know wars and how people use child soldiers in mm. conflicts and like like very serious stuff. In the middle of that, a kid gets up and starts dancing. <laughs> imagine it's it's this rowdy room. You're trying to be serious. This is what you're trying to share. And somebody decides, no, right now I'm going to get up and I'm going to dance. I'm going to bust the move right in your <laughs> car. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was a disaster. That's some funky poems you got there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to show him some funky poems. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so just quickly, I mean, uh, probably given your opinions really, but... Um, Yeah, I, I, mean, I wasn't going to talk too much about myself, but I improvise a lot when I'm on stage. And um, it, uh, if I'm honest, it sort of comes from not wanting to remember the, the lines, so that's why I improvise. <laughs> <laughs> but most of, it, most of it comes from... Uh, the, the performing I do is much more about feeling than the text itself. I mean, I hope that the writing is good, but... Um, um, do, you, do you feel like improvisation is a tiny part of the performance scene in Sweden, do you think it's all quite tight? It's all very. Uh, no, no, we have a, we have a competition in improvis- improvisation okay, uh, yeah. during during the nationals in Bolivia. Oh, okay, yeah. uh, but I also think like there is different kinds of improvisation on, on stage because I never improvise the the text, mm. but I, I always improvise. If there is something the happening, or yeah, there is yeah. someone shouting something, mm. or like like you did with the kids, that's yeah. one kind of improvis- mm. improvisation. Yeah. And, uh, so, but I I think that some some poets are really good in improvis- mm. uh, improvisation, uh, and they have this like text going on in their head, so they can just use it another need to write it down and learn it by heart. Jag älskar genier Deras fyndiga skriverier Genomtänkta komedier Tragedier, ödesymfonier Konstnärskolonier Bergman och fontrier Jag älskar Konstnärskap i Enorma halter Fadersgestalter som sällan Lägger hatten på hyllan Och så dyllan Min dyllan Min älskade dyllan Säga att de inte gillar gulliga små hiphop-killar Och helt ärligt så får jag ju en smärre hjärtkamp 
Katar varenda gång Jag ser en skäggstubbig kille med gitarr Som spelar låtar Han har skrivit alldeles själv Jag faller som en fura i en norrlands älv För fattigmans romantiken Den rödvins osande fin lyriken Kedjerökare, självmordsförsökare Jag älskar svartklädda män Hur de talar om sanningen För jag älskar filosofer och hobbyprofeter Och vad är det nu det heter? Jo, estradpoeter Jag älskar konstnärer och revolutionärer och fotografer jag älskar pojkar med svartbågade glasögon på halvtomma biografer Som tittar på någon svartvit film av någon rysk regissör Jag älskar varenda genialisk mästar, amatör och visst Jag tänker jag vill ha varenda gång jag ser en het poet Även om jag vet att de brukar vara rätt så pretentiösa Men jag älskar dem ändå när morgonen kommer och timmarna blir små Även om de har en ovana att citera sig själva då För jag älskar deras självförtroende och innebördes beundran Jag älskar deras barnsliga och oförstående undran Varför inte alla kan förstå dem Jag älskar hur lätt och hur svårt det är att nå dem För jag älskar genier i mina fantasier ser jag frierier Och ingenting gör mig så tillfredsställd och glad Som en smäktande kärleksförklaring Till en smäktande serenad Men jag måste ändå kväva mitt snitter Och med risk för att låta aningen bitter Säga konstnärssjälar Jag älskar er Men säg när kommer ni att älska mig? So next I'd like to ask you if you see yourselves as performers or writers and I'm I'm sort of guessing we're going to go around and get free answers which say both but and that's fine but maybe we can dis- discuss the different sides of um, of an artist in terms of spoken word um, and also if we can talk about your influences both on your performance style and your writing style and whether any of those influences overlap so maybe start with Nicholas um Yes, I first and foremost think of myself as a performer and to be able to perform I need to have something written down and I always have the room in mind when I'm writing so I would not necessarily call myself uh, a, a writer but the writing part is is a, is a necessary evil <laughs> to be able to perform. And now I'm writing, I'm putting up, um, I have a producer, I'm going to put up a show and then I'm writing a full length 60 minute monologue, which is completely different from uh, what I've been doing up until now, which is spoken word poems that could like 
lengthwise be around six, seven, ten minutes long. And so finding uh, that was really a challenge in, in to find a rhythm in the writing and more focus on what happens on, on the desk with with the pen and paper or the computer. I don't know if that answers your question, but yes, both. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no that is, I think you've explained that. Sort I'm of leaning you, towards you, you performing which way you lean who needs and, to and write. Which, yeah, and yeah. one feeds into the other. And, yeah. And, uh, sweet. Uh, my answer is going to be a little bit different, <clears throat> uh, a little bit deeper. <laughs> but, uh, More profound, not so shallow, not so superficial and self-centered. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, I consider myself both. Um, both as well because um, writing is where it starts and performing is where it ends. Um, I think if you ask a musician, are you a musician or are you a writer or a performer? It's almost the same thing. Um, and uh, my influences are, there are so many things that influence. Writing, on the writing side of things, I am influenced by 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 human emotion and human interaction and all the stuff that people go through and then on the performance side the challenge is always to take this that is written and extend it not only extending it but complementing it um, like uh, uh, putting a, an amplifier like putting a microphone in front of someone you know for me, performance is, is, is a way of amplifying everything else. And there's a lot of influences to that as well. I love um, looking at different areas like um, military training, for example, mm. which, which did come up earlier, stuff like that. I love looking at sports psychology. I love, especially with the, with the competition element, because, um, you know, world-class athletes have, you know this 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 zone, for example, that they're going to just before they go on stage, um, and do what they do. So for me, it's always interesting to see. Okay, how does that guy do it? Yeah. You know, and um, you look at Hussein Bolt, for example. He's very comical. He's playing around like this guy's about to run hundred meters, and he's playing. Mm. You know, like my mom would just slap my sit, you know and then you look at Michael Phelps for example and he's just calm and quiet he's listening to me so all of those things for me I look at it and I'm like okay how can I take that and use it you know because there's like like you, Olivia was saying about nerves earlier how she doesn't get nervous anymore sometimes if you're like ah what do I need to do um, I love nerves I, I get worried and very scared if I'm about to go up and I'm not nervous about yeah. anything because for me, because my work is so emotionally charged, I feel like I need those nerves. I need that, that little shot of, of nervousness to just sort of heighten things a little bit more, you know. Mm. So, so a lot of influences, um, uh, I, I consider both very important. It's like in, 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 in spoken word, it's a, it's a mutual relationship. You yeah. need both writing and performing they need each other yeah. you can't say you're a good spoken word artist where where you don't sort of come close to finding a balance between the two you know? so that's my yeah. my uh, my mission okay. to just sort of find that balance yeah, yeah it's a lot the same yeah. I, I, I consider myself both but it's more like when I started performing 
it felt I had this like the first time that I was on stage I was so comfortable and and relaxed and I had this like uh, I I think like the stage that you can find this place where it's so it's so quiet in some way and and clear and you can really do things and I, I really really love that place but uh, for me, everything started in the writing, and sure. uh, so it, it comes from the writing. And I I have been writing as long as I can remember, and that's my natural way of handling things. And then the performing was like it was like another thing that I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about. It was just a coincidence that I was I, I went <coughs> to a poetry slam, and sure. there was not enough people competing so I was in it and I was like okay this is this is the thing to combine uh, the thing I do for myself and in some way making it as as a thing for other people and to be part of, of something yeah. uh, it's not uh, I, I think and it's also like uh, like you said with the uh, influences it's like I don't really know. It's so many small things that sure. you combine, and and as long as you feel something for something, mm-hmm. you you can write about it and you can make a performance about it. So yeah. just to try to collect all the all the feelings that surround you, sure. and, and and also see how other people use feelings to yeah. do things. Now, I mean that question and the three answers pretty much went in the direction that I expected. So obvious. No, 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 it's not apparent. obvious. I mean, it's just, um, well, Jesus. I suppose that's just how things work. But I, what I'm really interested in, and maybe this might not go anywhere, but maybe if I say, from my own point of view, so I'm very much a performer, uh-huh. um, but I view myself as a writer because I don't only write the stuff that I perform I write other things as well you know like, yeah. so and I couldn't get anywhere I couldn't get on stage I for instance I can't get up and perform other people's writing I can only do so I'm I view myself as a writer and performing comes as an extension yeah I think what in terms of, just coming back to the influence the reason I mention that is because my the biggest influences on my performing and my, I suppose my writing as well and where it overlaps is um, traditional stand-up comedy where it's one person with a mic <laughs> controlling an audience. Um, I suppose in a way really that's just saying that spoken word influences my spoken word but I think that's fine as well but that's, I'm, I'm just interested whether you find any, any, any influences that really cover both sides for, for you, I mean, it might not be, but but, but I think all of them do. Oh, okay, uh, sure. I think it's more like that because I I also write things that I don't perform. Sure. I, I write prose yeah. and, and and articles and so, sometimes and and that kind of writing is I can't really separate it like in the influence way okay, because sure, it's yeah, like yeah. okay, there's something that I want to to do something about mm. and then I can do a spoken word piece about it or yeah. I can do a write mm. some some writing about it and it's. I know that some uh, themes are more likely to be on paper and others are more likely to be on stage, but I can't really... No, okay, that's fine. And it's also with, like, I, I also like like uh, comedians or uh, actors or everyone on stage uh, I, I can get influenced by, or musicians, uh, but I can also use that influence into into the paper, I guess. So yeah. it's, it's very hard to... Yeah. 
I watch a lot of film. I love film. I'm a really you know, film nerd. So I, I've always been interested in finding a nerve or setting, making a scene or a setting that yeah. I can use visually that's uh, both a sort of pre, pre-staged uh, act uh, that, that I can you know, do with the live that's really not stringing a sentence together. No, no, I think, so, <laughs> I, think I, know. I mean, you, you do get to a point when you've done a certain amount of performance, then you you can then begin to write with a view to perform that, and then you can use film or theatre, or you know, you can use. I can I can rewatch to, a to scene yeah, yeah. and say, and I think, what is it in this scene that really moves me or makes me weep or cry or laugh, and then I try to you know dissect that. And then if it's the lightning, and then I can use that as a descriptive thing in the narrative, in the poem. Like, you know, I'm trying to find all those elements in a, in a scene that really moved me. And I, but I, think, I think it's also like where you if, you, if you want to be, if you really want to be a spoken word artist, mm-hmm. then maybe you really, you are listening to spoken word artists and you are writing spoken word. But if you're more in the place where I really need to say something and I don't really know how, but this medium is yeah. is good for me, and then I use that, and then sure. you don't. There's a <clears throat> there's a scene in Game of Thrones in season one, I think, where um, uh, that little boy uh, was just pushed off. Bran. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And, and Nana is telling him a story. <laughs> I haven't seen it. And he's telling him the story of how the White Walkers came for the first time. Yeah. I downloaded that scene and I just listened to the audio without the visuals. Yeah. And the way that old lady's voice was, it was like it was like watching a paintbrush. Yeah. The places and ways in which it cracked when she spoke about certain things. You know, it was like like ow. There's a reason why stars don't shine as bright as they used to. See, they told me that it is all your fault, you see. Because lately, you have been crying yourself to sleep, and for them, it would be a cruel joke to shine while your heart is breaking. And that is why it seemed right in their sight for their light to pale in the night while you weep. Because it makes no sense, like an endless night in the morning's eye. See, the weeping may endure for the night. You, you will find joy in the morning, side by side with the promise of eternal glory. Why? Because I, I have conspired with the stars to sprinkle stardust in your dreams every night, reminding you that you are prized by majesty, inspired by true artistry, refined by adversity and defined by destiny. 
destiny to remind you that your beauty is yet to outshine the sun, that the power of love inside of your soul is yet to school stars on what it truly means to shine with the kind of power that would send shivers down the spines of lightning balls with puns that thunder from dark days to light years, surpass pain to fight fears, to spark flames and dry tears, the mind stained with ideas to find faith and blunt spears. Molding golden smiles from broken hearts, but you see love? Love once lived as a poem on a page I saw bleeding in the rain. I watched it wash away my soul. The scene unfolds to dreams untold, clothed in nothing but Proverbs 31. And that is why you will no longer settle for anyone telling you what you can never become because you, you are absolutely beautiful. As if, as if your smiles were carved out of an angel's heartbeat from the edge of eternity where the next beat awaits. As if that substance that went into making stars shine was taken from that twinkle in your eyes. Your voices, they sound like sunsets, singing lullabies of soft kitty to a wounded planet. Your laughter, the sound of a healing heart, and your heartbeat, the rhythm of a laughing baby, sweet child. No matter how much love has broken your heart, love only hurts when it is done wrong. Remember that no matter how much love has broken your heart, love only hurts when we do it wrong. Okay, so next I'd like to talk to you guys about uh, really this idea of within poetry or spoken word, are we looking to hide or highlight a particular concept behind that poem? And um, I mean, this, this subject might only be of interest to writers um, with a fine art background, but really I'm asking, do you feel it's your job to show an audience how much work has gone into your poem, or are you just trying to make it look effortless? And, um, uh-huh. Well, who wants to start with that? That's a, that's a bit of a pickle. Yeah. Um, no, I try. Yeah, you were, oh, yeah. You were saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, think, I think for me, it's saved quite, by the gas. For me, it's quite easy because even though there's a lot of work that goes into it, but the most important thing for me is the outcome it's going to have on the audience. Yeah, exactly. I think that that is the end to which. You know the means are based upon and sometimes it takes a lot of work Mm. but the most important thing for me even though this might betray my 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 philosophy of you know not trying to downplay the importance of hard work but the outcome is more important yeah but if you have the hard work behind it and people can like feel that you have the hard work behind it it's i think it's easier to listen to it actually or I can feel that myself if I listen to a, po- a poet yeah, and, yeah, and the yeah. poem, I can, can, I can feel that, yeah. okay, this is a well-worked poem. Yeah. Then I listen to it more seriously in, in some way. Uh, otherwise, I'm more listening to the performance, I guess, or the yeah. voice or the body of the yeah. poet. But I try to... I think I try to, to uh, 
to be as uh, professional as I can in some mm-hmm. way, but mm-hmm. also as Tweet uh, saying, it's like the the most important thing is the the reaction in the audience and sure. what. Yeah. Like um, there's a just a quick one. There's a. The, the current World Slam Poetry Champion is a guy from Canada. He's born in Nigeria, but he lives in Canada now. And he did a poem at this year's finals where he basically took the alphabet and he killed it. Yeah. He went from A to Z, and I'm thinking, yo, it's crazy. <laughs> and then he goes from Z back to A, and I'm like, no. <laughs> and, then he's, and then he goes A, A, B, B, C, C, and I'm like, this like immediately when when you, when you see a piece like that you're yeah. like I, I, yeah, no. yeah. That's, I'm, like, that's I'm done, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. but that's that's the thing when you can make it seamlessly that you know all the the hours you spend on something and then you can make it flawless oh. flowing naturally on stage that's uh, that's when a poet when you really struck gold because yeah. you know that's that's what's gonna make you a world champion I suppose mm. well, and it's also I, get, I really like that kind of writing myself like uh, writing uh, uh, poems where every word starts with the same sound or yeah. the same letter and, and like this very advanced rhyme rhyme things that rhyme no one schemes, really yeah. you, you can see it if you watch it if you're reading the poem on a paper but you don't really hear it uh-huh, yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I really love to do that myself just to know that okay I, I am really smart no one knows it but I okay yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got a question I've got a question I've got a question I have I have always felt that do you guys ever feel like sometimes there are certain golden nuggets in your work that sort of are lost and only you know about them and you know even though every part of you wants to explain to the audience what you've just did um, oh, do, do you ever feel time that? I, every time I read oh. there's, 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 yeah. there's at least one point where I think should I break character yeah, you, just <laughs> tell people, you just missed something <laughs> You didn't get the reaction you wanted. Oh, the response yeah, you wanted. sometimes I what even ha- have done that. And I said... It's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Have a cue card with a good bit coming up. Yeah. Applause. But I think maybe that question grew out of... Um, sort of wondering whether people don't class spoken word as a true art form. In that sense, you know, the questions of concepts and uh, subtexts, which are there in print poem, um, aren't often discussed in spoken word. Maybe because it's often quite fast flowing, and you don't get, you do miss those nuggets. You don't always see those. Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Because I come from the visual arts world, where it's natural to talk about these subjects. Yeah. Um, well, this sort of conversation, I think, is you know, will prove essential for the growing of the art form, especially in Sweden. Like, if if we are to take this to the next level, we need to have these sort of conversations and discussions about you know, uh, poets poets amongst themselves, but also uh, you know, outwards to to an audience. That the more you the more you dissect and talk about, analyze what you do, the more you know. Far, far, firmer foundation we will have to stand on. When, you know, and I also think that is 
It is a problem when when it's just the poetry slam and the competition because then you just have three minutes and you can do your poem, yeah. but you can't really do the like the a big concept of it. Like now, I'm 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 just reading poems that start with this letter sure. and uh-huh. ends yeah. in this way, or I'm <clears throat> making this like it's very fast paced, and you know, after yeah. it has a lot of wits and punches, and like if. Next poem, and next poet, next poem. Yeah, poet. and I, I think it's a really big difference if you if you perform for one hour. Uh, even though I'm uh, just reading poems for one hour, I can still make the like connect poems to to each other, yeah. and then you can like I start with this one and I end with this one, and it's you can really build a subject yeah, so people exactly. can have time exactly. to digest. Yeah, I I've got a I've got a fine art background as well, and one of the challenges and the well I was just downright uncomfortable with it was the fact that you know fine artists well back in art school we seemed to be more focused on creating art that is accessible to the academic and the, the, the general public which might not necessarily have the same kind of information and theory that the academics have sort of lose you know a lot of the meaning in an artwork, you know, and it it begged the question: Then, um, who are we creating art for? Is it for the masses, or is it just for, you know, like you walk into a gallery and there's this huge piece of canvas and there's nothing on it, mm. and you know, an artist comes and they're like, yeah, the concept behind this is negative spaces, this, that, blah, 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 and the layman on the street is like. Yeah, but I just see a blank thing there. Yeah, you know, and with poetry as well, I think the danger there's a, a real danger in in creating poems for poets, and especially if you want to grow movement, because if you are looking to grow the poetry movement, then po- poetry needs to be accessible, both intellectually and you know, in terms of where these sessions are held for people. Yeah, I think it's a really important point, actually, because until people start discussing it properly, um, the problem is if you take that point on face value, like we need a bigger audience, it yeah. sort of seems like we need to we need to bend our poetry to suit taste, and that's not the point. It's just you need to be more considerate of who you're trying to reach. It doesn't mean you have to write simpler poetry. No, no, it just no, means, no. means you need to find a... A different language, and, and I also I also think that, and I think that's important that you are able to be both. Yes. You can be really, yeah. really intellectual yeah. and talk to yeah. the yeah. academics, and you can still uh-huh. do it in a way so everyone can. And that's where creativity comes yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, because often like I often liken the poetry scene in London to um, like the uh, sort of pedigree dog showing scene you know it's lots of people with lots of dogs showing their dogs to lots of people with lots of dogs yeah and if you go to a poetry gig it's just people with lots of poems reading to people with lots of poems yeah. and there isn't really anyone from outside of that and yeah. you know it's definitely and i think that's just what i was meaning really is this whole idea of concept and subtext and really questioning what you do because until you do that until you really look at yourself and why mm. you're doing something you can't really communicate or not well enough to draw in a wider audience yeah. you know? and I think that's what fine artists have been doing the most successful ones what they've been forced into doing and designers and um, graphic designers have been forced to interact with the public you know, but find really creative ways of doing that a, w- a way of doing that in Stockholm is that we've been, um, we've been doing a collaboration with the Royal Theatre mm. here in Stockholm 
the Dramatic Royal Theatre, whatever. And um, it's been sort of like a way of finding a new generation of audiences, finding the that really uh, castle of a cultural institution, the Royal Theatre, mm. uh, a new audience in there. And a way of doing that was implementing spoken word nights in those really fine salons, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's... Okay, so next I'd really like to ask you all about this idea of social commentary in spoken word and should there be more or is it unfair that there's perhaps a, a bigger expectation on spoken word than there is on other art forms to be more socially active? Um, yeah. I think it's unfair. Towards <laughs> <laughs> him. I honestly think, um, yeah, it's it's a little bit unfair mm. <clears throat> um, because it's art. Mm. You you don't tell a musician what to sing. So why are you gonna tell a poet what to say? Type of thing. I I believe that we spoke about this when we met earlier in the week that mm. there is enough poets going around. There's enough poems going around. Um, it's just a matter of, I believe, the individual finding their niche and being the best they can be at that. Mm. And I also think because like the, it's it's a very it's a very it's an easy art to to do to write a spoken word piece. So if you if you want to say something political, it's easy to do yeah. it because you don't need anything else than than yourself. Yeah. So. Because I can also I can also feel that sometimes when you're on a, on a poetry slam, it's like everyone is saying very political things in almost the same way, and they say really smart things. But but I, I can be like this. But where is the where is the poetry? I, I yeah, want this crop? like yeah, I want yeah. I want the, the the love poems and the nature poems sure, and, yeah. and all that. But um, but I think it's like it's actually, I hadn't actually considered it like that before that's quite an interesting point in that yes as soon as it it could happen that as soon as you choose a particular message it would be very easy then to forget about trying to write or, yeah. I say properly but in a, in a skilled way or following particular form yeah you, it's quite it's quite interesting actually but all spoken word poets are in a way activists I mean in their field of field of in the, in the body of the work but I I myself is very much aware of being a white male person and the space I take on stage and the time I, you know, the time I take, am I taking it from someone else? Am I, you know, what am I saying? What am I, how am I using the time I have on stage? And it may be not as much uh, shines through in, in every poem. Yeah in a political way but um, I am in other ways with my poetry breaking a norm or you know trying to make a change if it's finding another you know way for people to reevaluate their own yeah. you know position or I think I've also often considered privilege that there are far more work, spoken word poets doing uh, making 
social comments than than people realise a lot. But just because they're not standing up and shouting about politics or yeah, you gender can you can find or, a more yeah. subtle way of yeah, doing people it. People talk then. about mental health issues. They talk about gender roles, yeah. masculinity, yeah. femininity, and you know all of these things in between, which are all vitally important to society yeah. working. But quite often it's missed because people don't listen or the poem moves too quickly or they don't understand the subtext or you know so it sort of takes in all the things we've been talking about now but I do think um, spoken word artists are much more socially aware than they're given credit for yeah. and it, then it's also like you need to be aware of that uh, uh, the moment you're standing on the stage you are political in some way because you are yeah. taking as, as, you, yeah. the, uh, as you said like you are taking this place and you are taking it for someone else of course yeah. Uh, and and you are standing there, and your body is political. Yeah. And even if you're getting up and reading the alphabet forwards and backwards, <laughs> yeah. and doubling up, you're making a, yeah. a quite. Yeah. A, you're probably making even a stronger comment now about yeah. what it is to be an artist or creative. Um, but, but I also think because I think it's interesting because when I started doing poetry slams in Sweden, there was like almost no female poets. Okay. And and I was one of the few female poets in in Sweden. Yeah. And then I was very political. Sure. Uh, uh, always, they, I was booked. I was booked as the That's the female yeah. poet and did all those gigs. Uh-huh. And nowadays there are like more fem- good female poets sure. than male poets in Sweden. So I'm not political anymore on no, stage. No. And it's really interesting to have this like. So okay. you can find that shift and yeah, yeah and, and your role can change. Yeah, and yeah. then in some way I'm freer, and in another way I am not. It's it's very mm. it's it's strange in some yeah. way because then also before I didn't need to write political poems to be political. Yeah. Now I need to write political poems to be political sure. in some way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but so. yeah, I suppose when you're just by. Yeah, that's interesting. So I've been discussing with people in London, and uh, by far the 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 best or most obvious uh, social commentary comes from the LGBT community. But you that's a, a good point. It may just be when a particular type of performer is in the minority, they're mm-hmm. automatically considered an activist or something mm-hmm. because they're standing up alone. Yeah, yeah. Once that voice becomes a majority, like the the young white heterosexual yeah. voice or, or, or um, in London, even the young black guys standing up, that, there isn't that sort of had it been the early 80s they would have been seen as uh, political or activists but now when people when balances shift and people become majority and and no longer minority so that's an interesting point as well even without trying it you try and and when when you are represented for something then you get yeah Um, sure but I think also there's that maybe this question of uh, social commentary comes from really perhaps older generations because they've um, certainly uh, poets that I know that begun in the late 70s early 80s and read poetry before punk gigs and stuff you know and that's quite a hard time to start and everything was political because you had, literally had to get up and shout and it might just be resentment's too harsh a word I don't mean it like that but they, maybe they just would wish that that voice had continued you know because yeah. they maybe saw a power in spoken word which is being neglected now or yeah. But I don't really think we had that kind of poets in Sweden. No, so maybe that's uh, why it's a different issue. That's we why we had like uh, spoken word poets in Sweden yeah. uh, in the 80s, but it was not really political in no. that way. Uh, so I think it's much, much more political now than it was in the... That's really why I brought up the sort of brief yeah. background of uh, London poetry there, because I think my questioning is 
you know that's where that question's coming from so it might not seem as relevant for you guys in that um, you know you perhaps this isn't a a question within the scene like it is in London okay so I'd like to talk now about uh, performance style and if there are any particular things that you feel are important so the the two points I'm going to bring up are how theatrical should spoken word be allowed to become and also just a quick one um, reading from page or memory is it an issue for you um, when you see other performers do it uh, yeah your preferences but also how you feel about other people's styles but maybe start with Olivia yeah I can if, if it's good it's good uh, I would say it doesn't matter in terms if, of reading from the page or from yeah, memory, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah and also in terms of, of how theatrical mm. it could be it's like if it's a good poem it's a good poem sure. or if it's a good performance it's a good performance and then I don't really like this actor kind of way of reading poems mm. as a lot of spoken word artists yeah. don't uh, but you can do I, I and I, I really think it's important that the spoken word should be that open that you don't really have like okay here's the the limit of how much theater it could get mm. you can you can talk with 10 voices if you like <coughs> to and it can still be a poem mm. and you can have like just paper reading from it and it can be great and you can also read from papers and it's really really bad yeah and you can learn your poem by heart and yeah okay I love I love uh reciting from memory it's very difficult for me to grasp the idea of reading from paper because I need my body so much yeah. you know um, and but with the paper thing um, there are people who, who are able to do it brilliantly um, uh, two, two, two performances I've seen come to mind one uh, Sean Williams gets on stage and he's got the scroll and he just reels it out on the stage and he begins to read it you know? mm-hmm. I, I thought that was brilliant and then this other guy he walks up he's like yeah I just uh, I wrote this poem sorry I I, <laughs> <laughs> I love speaking accents yeah. so every word in my head is a, is a character <laughs> yes yes so there's this uh, South African political accent when you're talking uh, you must talk like this comrade you don't twang you don't talk like a, like an American white boy <laughs> This is how you talk. <laughs> so this guy walks on stage like, yeah, I've just written this poem and I think I like it. And then he stands there with a piece of paper. He reads the whole thing and then at the end he tears it up and throws it away. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, so, so different ways in which people use their mediums. Yeah. For me, that is the interesting part. Yeah. Um, you, just yeah. The, the actual reading on its own is like, mm-hmm, yeah, can't you get it in your head? I don't know. Ma- mainly because I come from a place where poetry is so raw and it's just, oh, it's, yeah. But that's the, the, the reading part. And then, I mean, the other part is, it, it can be anything. Spoken word, I feel like just uh, take the chains off, take the limits off and just let it fly and see where it's going to go. You know, I don't think anything can ever be too much. And I say this very carefully. I don't think anything can ever be too much, but yeah. But I also think that if if it becomes too much theater, people will call it theater and not spoken word. So it's. it's I think that's what I mean. It's a fine line. Are people yeah. yeah. in danger of um, killing, killing the poems? Kill the, yeah. kill the poems. Yeah. Yeah. Should, actually, I'm in favor of killing the poems, but that's another subject. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shoot the DJ and kill the poems. Yeah. No, but I mean I. I've, up until recently, I've been having a 
really hard time memorizing poems yeah. or, or text, but I'm getting there. Mm. And uh, I've been using paper or, or a, like a book or something yeah. that I've been writing it down in. So I've been I've been accustomed to using paper in a way that feels natural on stage, and I think I've been successful with yeah. it. But as as I'm moving, you know, on and growing as an artist, I I want I do want to uh, be, becoming better at you know being free on stage sure. with, with no. What do you what do you want to do with your hands? I don't know if I don't want to do more with my hands because I have this wave thing, you know, it's yeah, a, it's yeah, a wave yeah. thing, you know, with my left hand I'm always like waving it in, in, in sort of spastic rhythms, but. Um, I feel I would be more free in my mind if I if I want to like put the paper down because we we talked about this uh, earlier this week that you feel like you have a shield yeah. like when it's it's a safety I, net. There, there are definitely some performers that use it as a barrier between yeah. you and, and the audience. And I want to rid myself of that because yeah. now I, I have been you know getting better at it. Yeah, I'm really impressed with people that can hold a paper like this for a whole poem. Yeah. Without shaking their hands, because I get really like, even yeah. though I'm not really nervous, I um, start to shake in I, my body. I shake constantly yeah. all the time, and because um, that 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 just it takes away the attention from. Yeah, know, and you can hear the yeah. sound. Yeah, and, oh and you feel so someone's yeah. nervousness. Like, but when you, you but when you can it. see someone yeah. just holding it completely still, oh, yeah. I, I get so impressed, and it's yeah. also like this in, it, it, intention thing with when you see someone reading from a. Uh, still paper I, I really like that kind of performance because it gets like it's a little bit more it's intense I, I quite like and this is not going to work on an audio recording no one's going to understand this but we'll you'll describe see what, <laughs> we'll describe what you're doing yeah, as a, David's now taking his clothes off <laughs> Christ what's wrong with that but, um, I like doing that slam thing where, where you it might be an English thing but they hold a piece of paper and as they chat to the audience they take it from one hand pass it under the mic stand and hold it up again that's the only reason oh, to hold a piece of paper for me. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, I've, done it a couple, I've done it a couple of times, sort of tongue-in-cheek. I, I yeah. love it. It's just this thing that they... they it's sort of as they're... It's oh, sort right. of their... Oh, this, this whole thing, this is nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This pipe bath. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. This took, I don't know, two minutes to write. I don't know. I'll read it to you anyway. I'm embarrassed almost to read it to you. It's that kind of thing. But I like paper, as you said, sweet. And in a, in a way, you, if you use it, and you, Olivia, touched it as well, if you use it as a prop, if you use it in a mm. creative way, yeah. agree, it yeah. becomes, uh, you know, it heightens... Your your yeah. poem poem if you if you can find a way. I quite of, like the idea yeah. of reciting a poem from a piece of paper and then turning it around and the paper's blank. Oh, that's yeah, that's that kind of I mean, thing. That's um, because it becomes more. I mean, yeah, it, that's, you've got to be careful; it doesn't seem really pretentious. But yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that, or it would be. Fun. Yeah, I really that whole idea of ripping stuff up. Yeah, yeah I like that. And but I, just I, dropping the paper. Yeah, is yeah. so they fly away. I've seen someone who came out. Or I don't know if I've seen... This is a funny thing, how memory changes things. I don't know if I've seen it, or I've thought of it, and I wanted to do it, but here I'll give it away now. Uh, of, like, having one word written on each paper and then come out with, like, a whole... Like, a stack, and then just... Like, you know, this do a Dylan thing, but with, like, one word printed on each paper. So it's like... At the end of the thing, it's like papers everywhere. I, I have always almost done, done that. Right. Maybe it's because yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I did it like once, but it was not one word. It was like two sentences. Yeah. And I, I was throwing away a lot of papers yeah. uh, on the audience. Yeah. I've, I've done it once with a visual cue. I've gone up on stage and I didn't know which oh. poem to read. 
So I had two poems on paper. And oh, yeah. I said, you, they're both about the idea of love, but not quite reaching that love. One is set on a dance floor, and one is set up a hill. Which do you want? And they told, you know they chose one. But I know both of them. I know from memory, so I don't need. I, didn't, I don't know why I did it. I just I don't need the paper. It's just I just wanted to show them something. Yeah. The then, illusion of choice. Once they chose, I dropped both, both pieces of paper and then read. The poem oh, oh, from memory, yeah. but but do you like that? Uh, like the audience uh, choosing because I I feel like half of the audience is getting disappointed because you read the poem that they don't want. Well, oh, no, I I knew it was a bit. Um, I knew which one I was going to read. Which one I choose? But yeah. on the flip side, the good thing about that is that you're getting the audience involved. Yeah, that's and good. I think that's, 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 that's true. Good I actually because um, the the girl running that night. Hello, Kyla, if you're listening. Um, hi, Kyla. Everyone say hi, Kyla. She runs hey, a fantastic Kyla. night called Union in, in Putney, but it's in Putney, but it's miles away. Anyway, um, she'd seen me read the other poem that I wasn't going to do, so I was waiting for her to choose it, so it was all part of, yeah. I hadn't really planned it, it just sort of happened, but it was that sort of element of um, some impro- improvisation, although I was going to read the poem and sort of yeah, as... Yeah. As the text was written, this is this is all very interesting because I mean, a lot of people actually. A piece of paper is is considered just to be like a medium where you you put your words yeah. down. But like listening to you guys talk, yeah. I'm actually getting like a whole lot of ideas of, yeah. like what can we do to extend the piece of paper or to use it mm. in, in, in some way. And I think that that's a good challenge. I think it's better out. to view it. I mean, this is going to sound really pretentious. If you view it more as a vehicle yeah. to take your ideas somewhere, it becomes. Mm. It's not then just. Uh, some people describe it as a canvas, but even the canvas is too rigid. Yeah. The canvas still yeah. just goes on the. It traditionally, just yeah. still just goes on the wall. Or, you know, you still view it in that. Same way. I mean, and the paper on stage is a callback as well to to what we were discussing earlier. Are you right viewing yourself as a writer or as a performer? Because yeah. if you take uh-huh. the writing yeah, on sort stage, also, yeah. it's sort of like, as yeah. you said, I think that's maybe what it was almost subconscious is me right. This is my writing. You can have either one. Yeah. But once yeah. the performing starts, you don't. That's not what you get. You don't get the paper. You get yeah. me. But this is where it comes from. You know, yeah, that's so. interesting. Think, because I, I have always been really, it has been really easy for me to learn the poems by heart. I had this, I just remember text and nothing else, uh, completely no, nothing else. So uh, for me, it has been very natural to 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 read without papers. Uh, and also, I, I am writing most of my poems. Uh, I am writing like just speaking them, and and then I write them down. So I know them by heart when I write them down. So it feels really. Mm. I get some things to think about. Okay, now the sunny subject of uh, depression <laughs> and this idea that uh, performing or writing or using poetry as therapy um, is obviously a very common thing. Um, I suppose just want to ask you three whether any of you use your poetry for that for that reason. Or, and if you do, does it work? Does it help? Um, I'm moved by someone who goes up on stage and reads something that you can feel they've been through some really, they've been some, through some shit, you know, mm-hmm. and they, it transcends into their poem, poetry, or in the in their performance, um, 
And then I don't really much care if they are using it as a way of making themselves feel better. Because that's how I view what I write as well. With, if, I, if I take something that I've been, was, was really hard and I you know, transform it into a poem and then every time I read it, I feel a little better. But then I know also someone in the audience mm-hmm. also might yeah, have sure. you know, feel that identification in what I'm doing or saying. And then get they get that same like soothing feeling and yeah. calm and like, fuck man, I've been through that. I know yeah, what yeah. you're doing or yeah. what you've been through. I don't really mind if it's therapeutic for them or not. I use humor as a way of taking up on really difficult topics. Like one of my most fun poems is about me getting the shit kicked out of me in Gothenburg. Right. I got the you know they just they beat me to a pulp. Yeah. These couple of guys. And then I try to visualize whatever they saw in me that could have provoked them mm. to the point where they need to feel that they, you know, kicked me in the face. And it's a really fun poem. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a riot. People are laughing, I'm laughing. And it's, it's a, that's a sort of therapy, but not in a sticky way. No, like no, I'm not yeah, yeah. enforcing, you know, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's my answer. Um, <clears throat> I actually started writing poetry plus minus 15 years ago because I was in an extremely emotionally charged place. Mm. So I think for me, it started as therapy. And, you know, like I was really upset. And that in itself, you know, not only sort of shows you that, you know, the thing is, people are emotional beings. Mm. And people want to connect. The most important thing about any performance is to connect. Because if you can connect, then you are able to to either help people or to destroy people. You can never be influenced by somebody you don't connect with. And I think as poets, that is sort of you know our, our goal when we do what we do. So connecting. And the thing is, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the world people are broken people are sad people are torn people are scarred and sometimes they don't have the capacity to express that and you might just be the one person who's like that's what I've been feeling I never had words for it yeah. thank you, you know? mm. so yeah it's, it's that's the beauty of it is that it can be so much and mm. nothing at the same time yeah. You know? yeah and it's also I think it's so much about like the therapy in, in writing, I do that a lot. I, I write, but it's 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 just for myself. And then I sometimes fool myself into writing things that is very very personal. Uh, and then I, I I write it in a way that it's like it has nothing to do with me. And then I can use it for a performance yeah. in some way. And I think that's like trying to be as honest as 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 possible on on stage, but still never telling the the truth about things or people and, and I always when I write about people I, I used to change uh, gender on them for example or yeah. age or something that just not to be the person standing on stage mm-hmm. and talking about someone or something that the people around me can't talk yeah. about because it's me standing on stage yeah. and then I have the power of the of the story in some way yeah. Actually, that's two really interesting points. Uh, one that Nicholas brought up, and yourself, Olivia, uh, this idea that it may begin as therapy for yourself, 
but how important it is that you might connect with someone in the audience um, and it may become therapy for them because they see someone standing yeah. up and being brave enough to talk about it so there's that side of things but also this idea of um, honesty within yeah. poetry um, I find it very very odd that people demand complete honesty for poetry <laughs> all poets are liars can we settle this for once and all, all but, but I would say but, but you need to you need to talk you need to see what is the truth no that's what I'm yeah. exactly what I'm saying yeah. it, there's that some of the most beautiful things I've seen on stage are some things where they quite clearly something has actually happened to this person yeah. Yeah. but then it's just been delivered in an arc which you know, because most life stories wouldn't fit on stage. You know, you couldn't just. Yeah. You know, this, yeah. When I've tried it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, it felt all right for me, but the audience didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> but no, I think it's a really important part that. Why? Oh, sorry, it's an important point. Why are we. Why are these demands made of us to be yeah. honest all the time, completely honest about everything? And it's. I don't know, I mean, maybe that doesn't actually exist, but... It, yeah, but uh, I, I see... There is a pressure there, isn't there? I think. Yeah. Do you yeah, feel yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if... Sorry. Uh, uh, I just think that if, you, if you're if you in the audience and you see something, you want it to be true. Yes. Yeah. Because it feels true, and then you, if, if it's not true, you are fooled by the, yeah. by the poet. Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? If it feels authentic, if it feels yeah, like it's I happened know. to someone, then it becomes a sort of truth. And then that's your job is done. That's it, because you you made that person feel whatever it needed to feel, or you know find that key yeah. to whatever they are trying to unlock, or you know, and uh, it doesn't really matter what is fabricated and what is you know the truth behind it, because mm. it all blends well, it into this. Matter, really, at least. Yeah, but it, no. but it does seem to matter. Yeah, and um, I wonder how that can best be because I think sometimes it distracts from the power of the poetry itself because people dismiss things because they're once they find out then they're not, they're not true you know yeah mm. you know I, I, yeah. I have a piece which is based on um, I'm my character is sleeping with a girl it turns out that she's refuses to kiss me but the twist is that I'm a young guy and I'm upset that I'm I don't have an intimacy so an issue that would usually be considered as something girls have got about not having an intimacy I'm a young guy on stage questioning whether I have this closeness with someone and longing for it yeah Yeah. Yeah. two weeks later I'm asked did that girl ever kiss you and I'm like well she didn't exist (laughs) first (laughs) (laughs) it's it's made up and then that disappointment and then my my, my, I say poem my piece was somehow no longer valid because it was based on a yeah, fabrication okay. but those feelings are yeah. still true you know the points but are still bad yeah. that's, that's not fair that's another thing that's not fair because <laughs> if, if you pick up a novel yeah. you can let it you can let it paint you with all the hues that it, yeah. it has for you and why should then somebody who's saying something out loud on a stage be held to a different mm. standard you know I think if it's all art then just take it as it comes yeah. I suppose it might just be something very basic and that this is the only art form where you see the whites of their eyes. And if you see the whites of their eyes, they shouldn't lie to you. It might be just that basic human expectation. It houses in a person and then you expect that person to be honest with you because, you know, nobody likes... Because I don't think anyone would question a a dishonest 
printed poem no. in the same way they would have spoken one. No, you don't, you don't seek out the author and like, that one to validate. Excuse me. Did this really happen to you? Unless they write about you. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, I, I think it's a difference also uh, for myself because a friend of mine, he, he, I know he, he had said like uh, uh, false things before he, yeah. he read the poem, and and it's just me knowing it, or <laughs> I think some 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 more people knowing yeah, it. Yeah. But but then it's like I, I'm totally fine with the poem, but the story before the poem, yeah. when it's not true, I'm like, yeah, but you don't need to, <laughs> you don't need uh-huh, to yeah. to say that. Yeah. So it's also because then I, I I get a little bit more sensitive when you're not when you're not reading the poem, you're just talking, sure. and that's. Uh, I don't know. It's just um, that's my line, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of scope to play around with this yeah. idea of truth or dishonesty, um, but it might be something to go into another time because uh, it's going it's a deep subject. But um, I just want to say thank you very much to Olivia Lothar and to Clifford Lothar. That's awesome. <laughs> 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 that's what, yeah. I got right to the end. And yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, those who know me will know how difficult that was. Uh, Nicholas, yeah. um, again, their names will be written more clearly than I can ever enunciate them on the website. Uh, this was for Lunar Poetry, and I just want to also thank Drumfakotetten, which is the dream faculty in Sweden, and they've let us use their fantastic uh, studio space to make this recording. Uh, thank you to Katja Lindberg and Ophelia Jarl Ortega. Thank you for having us. No, it's yeah, great. I've really you. enjoyed sure. it. And um, hopefully you will come to London and say hello to the people whose ears are taking in these sounds. Yeah, Definitely. All of them. All of them. <laughs> Every single yeah. Yeah, line up. There's about three of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Föreställ dig 
att du har vikt hörnen. Självklart. Lika självklart som att det finns ett avstånd. Lika stort som saknar. Det är lika långt som tiden det tar för ett eko att studsa tillbaka. Och jag har räknat stegen till din port. Jag har vägt varje andetag som tyngs ner av ditt namn. Den här stan är tillräckligt taktil. Det är minnen i repris längs med varje hållplats och det finns. Gator som fortfarande är våra. Och där rebenen möts i mitten. Det är en grop. Jag minns, vi brukade titta på videoklipp av sjöhästar på internet. Alla hade bakgrundsmusik av Enja. Och de flöt omkring i slow motion och när de parade sig så krokade de ihop sina svansar. Men ironiskt nog så kunde de inte längre hålla sig flytande så de sjönk tillsammans mot botten. Och vi skrek åt skärmen. Men släpp taget då, era idioter, det är inte värt det. Jag vet, nu, att vi egentligen skrek åt varandra. Som ett striptag om varandras hals viskar vi samtidigt. Jag släpper. Om du släpper. Men vi kan börja om. För det finns ett avstånd lika stort som saknar och det är lika långt som tiden det tar för ett eko att studsa tillbaka. Och jag har ju räknat stegen till din bord. Det finns gator som fortfarande är våra. Rebenen möts i mitten. Det finns en grupp. 